0: The pituitary is a tiny gland.
1: Pituitary resembles a pea in its shape and size.
0: But this pea-sized organ has enormous impact on our overall health.
1: You're absolutely correct. There's a lot going on in terms of hormone regulation from a very small gland.
0: And later, learn about a common condition affecting it.
1: High cortisol levels can cause involuntary weight gain high blood pressure, high blood sugar, muscle weakness, changes in body appearance, unexpected infections, as well as mood and cognitive changes.
0: Discover the pituitary, our mini, mighty, master gland. Inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Bellmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Children's Wisconsin, Fratert Hospital, Versity, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. Based on its diminutive dimensions, it's hard to imagine the dynamic scope of influence the pituitary gland has over many critical functions of our body's endocrine system. Fortunately, today, we don't have to imagine it because we have an expert to help us better understand this mini, mighty gland. Dr. Adriana yuach is a professor, Department of Medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Molecular Medicine, and director of the Pituitary and Adrenal Disease Program at Frederick and the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Uak-Mescu says, while tiny in size, the pituitary gland's importance is titanic. The
1: pituitary gland is a regulatory of multiple processes such as growth, metabolism, stress adaptation, reproduction, and more.
0: The pituitary gland achieves all of this
1: by producing essential hormones that target virtually every cell in the body. The pituitary gland is a key part of the endocrine system.
0: Speaking of which, what exactly is the endocrine system? Which organs in our body is it comprised of?
1: It's a very good question. The way we define the endocrine system, we have to think of several glands in the body that release chemical substances directly into the bloodstream. And these substances are called hormones.
0: So, for example...
1: The pancreas produces insulin and glucagon that control blood sugars. Thyroid hormones affect how quickly our body uses nutrients to produce energy. Adrenal glands help with blood pressure regulation. And testicles and ovaries are involved in sexual development, sexual function, and reproduction.
0: And because the pituitary gland has influence and impact on all these organs and their functions, it's commonly referred to as the master gland of the endocrine system. And frankly...
1: This name is actually well-deserved because the pituitary gland functions like a command center and sends signals to other endocrine glands in the body.
0: Signaling which glands to do what exactly?
1: Adrenal glands production of cortisol is controlled by the pituitary. Similarly, thyroid gland releases thyroid hormones based on stimulatory inputs from the pituitary. Okay,
0: so we know the pituitary gland is small, but just how small? Well, whereas our liver might be comparable in size to, say, an eggplant, Dr. Yuak Meskew says our...
1: Pituitary resembles a pea in its shape and size.
0: A single pea? Wow, that is tiny. Especially when considering the huge, essential role it plays in our body.
1: You're Absolutely correct. There's a lot going on in terms of hormone regulation from a very small gland.
0: Precisely where in our body is the pituitary gland located?
1: This pea-sized gland sits in a bony saddle called the cella. The cella is located at the base of the brain, right below a brain structure called the hypothalamus. The pituitary and hypothalamus are connected by a thin structure called the infundibulum. This is made up of nerves and vessels. The infundibulum transports hypothalamic regulators to the pituitary gland. These regulators either increase or decrease the pituitary gland hormone production.
0: She explains that the pituitary gland consists of two lobes First, the larger anterior or frontal lobe.
1: The anterior lobe makes and releases several important hormones. Adrenocorticotropic hormone, ACTH, growth hormone, thyroid-stimulating hormone, also called TSH, gonadotroph hormones, and prolactin. So the anterior lobe produces a lot of hormones.
0: Hormones with critical roles.
1: ACTH stimulates the adrenal glands to produce cortisol. Cortisol is one of our stress-adaptation hormones and regulates glucose metabolism and blood pressure. Growth hormone helps children grow tall. In adults, it also has important function. It affects muscle and bone strength, fat distribution, and food metabolism. TSH 8 stimulates the thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormones that manage metabolism, energy level, and sends regulatory impulses to virtually every cell in the body, including the heart, bowel, skin, and other organs. There are two gonadotropic hormones. Follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH, stimulates sperm production in men. In women, estrogen production and egg development. Luteinizing hormone, or LH, stimulates ovulation in women and testosterone production in men. Finally, prolactin, which stimulates milk production after the woman gives birth.
0: Then there's the smaller posterior or back lobe.
1: The posterior lobe stores and releases into the bloodstream two main hormones, vasopressin and oxytocin. Vasopressin's role is to regulate water balance and sodium levels in the body. Oxytocin is involved in progression of labor during childbirth, breast milk secretion, and many other roles, including the bonding between the mother and the newborn.
0: With a better understanding of its form, let's now focus a bit closer on the functions of the pituitary gland, beginning with regulating growth.
1: Pituitary gland is responsible for growth hormone production and increase in height. So this is how children achieve their expected height, which is usually based on the mother and father's height. The pituitary gland secretes the growth hormone, and that's how this is achieved. There are some functions that are specific to age, and then there are other functions that persist or change through adulthood.
0: How does it impact metabolism?
1: In general, metabolism is defined as how quickly one's body uses nutrients to produce energy. And we all know that thyroid is important in regulation of the metabolism. For example, a slower underactive thyroid is associated with low metabolism, slower metabolism, which leads to weight gain.
0: But we already learned that the thyroid is under pituitary control.
1: There are other metabolic implications of the pituitary gland through the control of cortisol secretion by the adrenal gland. Also, growth hormone is important for metabolism regulation. So, for example, low growth hormone has been associated with gain and in particular changes in body composition with increased abdominal fat. Also, ovaries and testicles are involved in maintaining a healthy metabolism. So there are many facets of how pituitary gland function impacts metabolism.
0: The pituitary also has key functions in reproduction.
1: The pituitary gland makes two important hormones called FSH and LH that control the ovaries in women and testosterone in men. This is an exquisite control based on pulsatility. So there are very tiny pulsations of the hypothalamic regulators of the pituitary function and of the pituitary hormones.
0: And what's achieved through these pulsations are
1: one, sexual development, two, fertility with a precise occurrence of ovulation in premenopausal women and free the the sexual function per se so this is how the pituitary gland impacts reproduction because it is the command center for the ovaries and the testicles
0: plus there are other key functions
1: the pituitary gland regulates the kidneys capacity to concentrate the urine also, in pregnant women who are about to deliver, the pituitary gland help with the uterine contractions during delivery. And then there is a hormone called prolactin, which is really the lactation hormone, which enables lactation postpartum. So those are some other very important functions of the pituitary gland.
0: How does the pituitary gland know when to produce and release these essential hormones? Turns out, it comes down to our body's own natural circadian rhythms.
1: Talking specifically about the pituitary, ACTH and cortisol levels rise significantly in the early morning, right before awakening, and grow hormone levels peak at night. So the story that you may have heard from your grandma that you have to go to bed early if you want to become tall when you grow up actually might be true.
0: What diseases or disorders most commonly affect the pituitary gland? At the top of the list, tumors.
1: Tumors are actually the most frequent disorders affecting the pituitary gland in adults. The good thing is, these are almost always benign tumors. And these are not rare, but they are benign and mostly small. The specific name for these tumors is pituitary adenoma. They represent about 10 to 15% of intracranial tumors.
0: But not every tumor is small, and the gland's ability to function properly can be compromised.
1: This is where we come in, endocrinologists. We evaluate patients with these tumors to determine what are the consequences of patient's health.
0: What kinds of tumors do she and her team encounter?
1: The type of tumor depends on the type of cell from which the tumor originates from.
0: She gives a few examples.
1: Prolactinoma, or a prolactin-secreting tumor, produces excess prolactin and affects most frequently women and their fertile ears. Growth hormone-producing tumors secrete excess growth hormone, and if these occur in children and adolescents, the disorder is called gigantism because this person will end up much taller than what's expected, and after the growth plates have closed, growth hormone excess causes something called acromegaly, means that the hands and feet will grow in an unexpected fashion. Finally. ACTH-secreting adenomas increase the cortisol production by the adrenal gland. This is called Cushing's disease.
0: We'll discover Cushing's disease in a bit. Another common disorder is called...
1: hypopituitarism, which is a decreased secretion of one or multiple pituitary hormones. It can happen when tumors compress the pituitary gland or the infundibulum that prevents the hypothalamus to send down its regulators. Or it can happen as a result of pituitary surgery or radiation, which is employed for tumors. Or it can happen after severe head trauma.
0: If someone's having a pituitary issue, how will they know? What are common symptoms? With a tumor as the root cause.
1: If we have a tumor larger, let's say, than one, two centimeters, then headaches can occur through stretching of the dura, which surrounds our brain. Also, vision changes can happen. Blurry vision or tunnel vision or double vision. Vision changes are due to the pressure from the tumor on the surrounding cranial nerve.
0: So this mini master gland has an ideal location because...
1: It's surrounded by multiple nerves that are involved in how good our vision is and how we move and coordinate our eyes.
0: Are there other symptoms?
1: Talking specifically about endocrine consequences, some of these hormones release in the circulation in large amounts. Well, this can lead to various manifestations depending on what hormone is in excess. Growth hormone excess can cause headaches, increase in height, increase in the size of hands and feet, high blood pressure, high blood sugar,
0: Or, conversely...
1: Low growth hormone that results in stunted growth in children, increased fat around their waistline, changes in muscle strength and endurance. Low gonadotropic hormones influences sexual development in adolescents and causes low sex drive and fertility problems in adults.
0: Next, diagnosis. How are disorders affecting the pituitary gland detected and confirmed?
1: measure hormone levels in the blood. We measure some hormones in the urine, and we ask the patient to provide us with a 24-hour urine collection. Sometimes we check hormone levels in the saliva when patients go to sleep, going back to that circadian rhythm that is so important for hormone secretion. So, we look into the levels of hormones that are very tightly regulated in all these body fluids. Endocrinologists are specifically trained to look at hormones and correlate symptoms and manifestations.
0: On the other hand,
1: sometimes patients are sent to us not because they show some hormone changes. Let's say a CAT scan of the head was done after a motor vehicle accident and a tumor was found incidentally. So we use imaging as well. And the best test to determine small details of the anatomy of the gland is actually MRI. And that's how we decide whether a tumor is small or large, do they require a surgical referral, and so on.
0: Diagnosis can also involve dynamic testing.
1: substances that are known to stimulate or inhibit hormone production and that helps us understand the hormone problem. For example, if we measure the growth hormone after an oral administration of glucose, we are expecting to see the growth hormone dropping to very low levels so we can use this test to determine whether the pituitary gland tumor produces excess amounts of growth hormone. And there are many other dynamic tests that we use and interpret in our clinical practice.
0: Are most conditions affecting the pituitary gland treatable?
1: The answer to this is fortunately yes. Tumors can be surgically removed by neurosurgeons or certain tumors such as prolactin tumors are successfully treated with anti-tumor medications, And these medications act on receptors expressed by the tumor cells. It's like a key that goes into a lock and either locks or unlocks something there, alleviating the manifestations caused by the hormone excess
0: or in cases of lower-than-normal hormone levels.
1: We give back what's missing. So we give testosterone back to a male with low testosterone. We give thyroid hormones back to a patient who developed low thyroid function as a result of interruption of the healthy communication between the pituitary and thyroid. And we can give cortisol replacement to those patients in whom the interruption of the pituitary with adrenal gland communication
0: Are there things individuals can do to promote pituitary gland health?
1: We encourage everyone to take those measures that would reduce the risk of head trauma because pituitary is low hormones, in context of traumatic brain injury. So, wearing a seatbelt to wearing a helmet when we go skiing are helpful. However, there are no scientific studies to demonstrate that certain foods or supplements influence the pituitary gland function or tumor growth.
0: Dr. Joach-Mescu has years of experience treating patients in clinic and leading influential research related to conditions affecting the pituitary and adrenal glands. Much of the research she's led focuses on Cushing's Syndrome, a condition caused by the overproduction of the hormone cortisol, often referred to as the stress hormone.
1: High cortisol levels for long periods of time. Can cause involuntary weight gain, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, muscle weakness, changes in body appearance, skin changes, unexpected infections, as well as mood and cognitive changes.
0: But not all of these are necessarily present. So...
1: Sometimes it is challenging to diagnose, especially when the cortisol excess is mild. So it is up to the endocrinologist to determine whether the patient truly has Cushing syndrome or other things going on that may cause some of these manifestations and some elevation of cortisol level.
0: Next, she explains there are two different types of Cushing syndrome. First, there's endogenous Cushing syndrome.
1: Endogenous means that there is a tumor somewhere in the body that causes either excess ACTH, which in turn triggers excess cortisol, or excess cortisol directly secreted from the adrenal gland.
0: So the problem comes from within, from a tumor. Then there's exogenous Cushing syndrome.
1: Exogenous means there is something going on outside the body. So the source of excess glucocorticoids, cortisol is just one of them. So for example, taking prednisone for inflammatory conditions for long periods of time, weeks or months or even years, that can cause very similar signs and symptoms of Cushing syndrome, but the cause is not within our body, is due to taking medication.
0: Focusing on endogenous Cushing syndrome, she tells us
1: The most frequent type of tumor that causes eventually high cortisol is located in the pituitary gland, that ACTH secreting tumor that I mentioned before. Now, this specific form of Cushing syndrome has the name of Cushing's disease.
0: The excess ACTH hormone from the tumor within the pituitary gland
1: tells the adrenal glands to produce excess amount of cortisol throughout the day and night. The cortisol doesn't drop low at night the way it should, so it stays high, and sometimes these patients cannot fall asleep or stay asleep. So that's the main form of tumoral endogenous Cushing syndrome.
0: But there are other forms. For example, someone could have... A
1: nodule on the adrenal gland that produces excess amount of cortisol. And in this case, ACTH is not the main driver of the problem. In fact, ACTH sees these elevated hormone levels and this is how we endocrinologists figure out where the problem is.
0: In cases of the ACTH producing pituitary adenoma, are these cancerous tumors?
1: Very good question. They are overwhelmingly benign. Once in a while, you see a tumor that is clinically aggressive to require multiple medical treatments, and even less frequently, there is such thing as cancerous transformation.
0: And generally, these tumors are tiny, sometimes nearly invisible, even on a scan. However...
1: The problem is a patient can have significant health issues from an ACTH secreting tumor, regardless of its size. And untreated, high levels of cortisol that go on for a prolonged period of time lead to complications. If left, untreated.
0: In the case of Cushing's disease, how is it treated?
1: The main treatment for any type of tumoral or endogenous Cushing syndrome is removal of the tumor that causes the problem. We work closely with our colleagues in neurosurgery who endoscopically remove the tumor.
0: And once the tumor is successfully removed...
1: Cortisol levels will no longer be high. In fact, they will drop precipitously right after surgery when the patient is still hospitalized. And then in most patients, the normal secretion of cortisol will be restored. However, there is a risk of recurrence of the pituitary tumor.
0: While primary treatment is surgery, there can be additional treatment because...
1: There is an important role for medical therapy in Cushing syndrome and depending where the tumor is located, we now have available to us four different medications we can prescribe that either reduce the cortisol secretion at the adrenal glands or reduce the tumor size and its production of ACTH or there are medications that block the glucocorticoid receptors key-in-the-lock mechanism that I mentioned before. Um, so we have all these options available to us to address their problems and hopefully normalize cortisol levels because we want to reduce complications and increase survival.
0: Next, Dr. Iwakamescu tells us that Cushing's syndrome can impact emotional and cognitive functions.
1: What mood changes can patients have when their cortisol levels are high? Some have depression, others have anxiety, others have manic episodes. And mood swings are characteristic for patients with Cushing syndrome.
0: And on the cognitive side,
1: decreased memory, decreased concentration. And these problems, along with inability to sleep well, being in pain, feeling weak, all of these contribute to a decreased. Quality of life.
0: As someone who's cared for Cushing's syndrome patients for 20 years,
1: I've had the privilege to follow these patients who trusted me enough to share their symptoms with me. And a lot of them report improvement of cognitive and emotional changes after normalization of the cortisol.
0: But for some patients, the problems persist.
1: Maybe to a different degree, to a milder degree, but some of these quality of life, mood, and emotional changes persist, unfortunately, even after cortisol levels now check normal.
0: She's led extensive research in Cushing's syndrome with patients, first at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: From my work with neuropsychology colleagues, we were able to determine that there were significant decreases in attention, memory, increased irritability, visual-spatial functioning, learning
0: When they looked at cortisol levels in these patients, they found some differences.
1: High cortisol levels had more neurocognitive and emotional issues compared to those who were in remission and their cortisol levels were brought back to normal. So even though there are still persistent changes in the patients in remission, they improved.
0: The key is in identifying...
1: Which patients are at risk to develop these persistent mood and cognitive issues which affect their quality of life and prevent and treat these problems early on because it's less likely to progress.
0: Her findings are a pathway for her current and future research.
1: Here at the Medical College of Wisconsin, we are planning a prospective longitudinal study in these patients, and we're trying to explore the link between the network of the brain, the vascular alterations that occur, which we can visualize with functional MRI studies. We also plan to do a very thorough neurocognitive quality of life and mood evaluation, and to correlate all that with the cortisol status that we measure as endocrinologists.
0: With the ultimate goal... To
1: try to figure out who's at risk for long-term changes in their cognition and moods and quality of life and to implement therapeutic interventions after the detailed mechanism is completely understood.
0: We'll need to check back, but that's all the time we have now for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Adriana Iwakimescu, for appearing on today's show. I hope you've discovered something by listening to our show, and I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month. Make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Bellmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to the podcast of this or any of our shows on demand, please visit our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Bellmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.